Hello, and welcome to the Ohio Valley True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I've been gone a while, and I'd like to apologize. Sometimes life gets messy and things happen. This podcast is a hobby and a passion project, and unfortunately, those things get pushed to the side during difficult times. But things are better, and I'm ready to continue. I appreciate everyone who's reached out and stuck with me. I hope this episode will make up for my absence. If you don't already, and you'd like to stay up to date on everything that's going on with the podcast, I'm most active on Twitter, and you can find me there at OVTrueCrime. There's also my website, OVTrueCrime.com, and you can also reach me directly by email. The email is host at OVTrueCrime.com. So part of the reason that I've been gone for so long is the case that I'm about to talk about. You see, this case is the case that made me start listening to other true crime podcasts. It's the case that got me into this podcast. I've always hoped that someone else might find an interest in it and cover it, but so far that hasn't happened. So I finally decided to do it myself. I've been trying to dig up information on this case online for about half a decade, ever since my mom mentioned her own interest in it. Because the case is so important to me, It's made it extremely difficult to write about. It sounds silly, but the more I care about something, the more perfect I want everything to be, so it gives the most impact. I want other people to care about the case too, and the fear that people won't care is part of what's kept me from getting it out there. I tried to write about other cases, but one thing that you should know about me is that once my mind gets stuck on something, it stays there. So I finally had to make a decision be stuck arguing with myself and getting nothing done, or present the case as it is and let you decide. And since you're hearing this, I chose to let you decide. A little information about this series before we begin. The episodes on this case will be a little different from my normal episodes, hence the different intro music. Normally when I research a case, I know the beginning, middle, and end, I write a script, and I record. But this case is different. I don't have a one-episode script, I don't have a chronological timeline, I don't even have most of the information yet. I'm recording these episodes as I go, as I research and fit the puzzle pieces together. I'm doing it this way because I want you to come on the journey with me. I want your eyes and your ears to help me see things I may miss. My goal is not to solve this crime, because unfortunately, I don't think that will happen. I'm not a detective or a reporter. I don't delude myself into thinking that this will get police to reopen the case. My goal, really, is to just make people more aware of what happened, to raise awareness for the victims, and to try to answer my biggest question of all. Is there a serial killer who got away with murdering three boys? This is the case of the Henryville murders. Richard Sweeney, Jeffrey Burkett, Donald Abel. Three victims over a three-year period in a small town in southern Indiana. Three unsolved murders, never linked and forgotten. Three boys who never got a chance to grow up, whose killer or killers have gone free for over 40 years. Why were they targeted? How did their killer or killers get away with it? Who did it? And why have these crimes been forgotten by a small town? Our first step is to understand the place where the murders took place, and it's a place I know fairly well. About 21 miles north of Louisville, Kentucky, 
Henryville is a town whose current population is around 2,000. Most people who aren't from the area who end up interacting with Henryville do it because they're stopping to get off the interstate to get some gas on their trip. It's not really a stop and hang out kind of town, it's more of a fill up and get back on the road place. Even though it's a very small map dot town, you've probably heard of Henryville before. In 2012, when a severe tornado outbreak tore through the town and destroyed most of it, they made national news. Video of the tornado ripping through the high school even went viral. The town has also had a worldwide impact too, though most people don't know it. Colonel Sanders was born in Henryville. Yes, it may be called Kentucky Fried Chicken, but its creator was born in that small southern Indiana town. If you're local, you'll know Henryville for the forestry that runs through the town. The Clark State Forest is around 24,000 acres and it's the state's oldest. Interstate 65 goes right through it. Growing up in the area, Henryville and the forestry are connected to a lot of happy memories. Family reunions, picnics, camping, teenage shenanigans, learning to shoot, fishing. But as I learned years ago, for other people, the town and forestry are places of mourning and unsolved crimes. In the 1970s, Henryville's population was around 1,500, maybe a little less. A town so small they didn't even have their own police, and still don't. If they need police, it will be a Clark County Sheriff's deputy or a state trooper who responds. Like most small farming towns, they're trusting. You've heard it repeated in many true crime shows and books. People don't lock their doors. And in the 1970s, people were even more trusting. While the 1970s may have been the heyday for serial killers, the term serial killer was still unknown to most Americans. And unlike today, multiple murders weren't immediately linked in people's minds. So that's our setting. Small town, close-knit community, little crime, 1970s. Knowing about the town is easy. It's everything else that's difficult to piece together. But here are the facts as I know them. In 1974, eight-year-old Richard Sweeney was murdered. In 1977, 15-year-old Jeffrey Burkett was murdered. A few months later, in 1977, 19-year-old Donald Abel was murdered. The cases were handled by the Indiana State Police. Originally, the two older boys were considered runaways. After the bodies had been found, as far as I can tell, the murders were never linked. No suspects have been named, no arrests have been made, and it seems that everyone has stopped looking. How the boys were killed, exactly where their bodies were found, and who could have done it depends on who you ask. If you search for Henryville murders or Clark State Forest murders, you'll mostly come up with old threads on true crime message boards and a few Reddit posts. Almost everything discussed is speculation and rumors and accusations. There's talk of police cover-ups, people in town who know who the killer is but won't talk, and even the present danger for anyone who looks too much into the case. Nothing too unusual for this type of thing. But what we don't have is enough facts about the victims or what happened. In most towns, one murder is a huge deal. But for the deaths of three kids to be quietly dismissed as just random killings seems very odd. Even by 1970s standards, you would think that something like this would have caused panic. But from my understanding, it didn't. The lack of real information available online is frustrating. 
so I've decided it's time to see what I can dig up in person. Some of the local libraries have microfilm and physical papers and other documents from the 1970s. So I'm going to visit these libraries and I'm going to see what I can find. And as soon as I find some good information, I'll be back to share it with you guys and to put more pieces together. Any information I find, I'll photograph or scan and share it with you on my website, Instagram, and Twitter. Again, you can find those at ovtruecrime.com and by following me at ovtruecrime. You may be wondering why this case in particular has become so important to me, given the fact that there's so little information. I think there are a few reasons. These murders happen in my own backyard, as they say, and local crimes have always fascinated me. I also hate mysteries. I like being able to look into things and find an answer. The fact that three kids were killed in a little town so close together and no one even has a hint as to who did it drives me crazy. And finally, the case makes me angry. While I understand that police work in the 1970s was different and that small towns like to sweep their dirty laundry into the rug and don't like to reopen old wounds, it makes me angry that these three boys never got justice. I don't like it when murderers get away with their crime, especially a local. Over the last few years, as I've found myself in Henryville for various reasons, I've caught myself looking at some of the residents and wondering, are the killers still here? Did that person do it? Do they know who did? Again, I know this case won't be solved by anything I do, but if I can just get some answers, get a clearer picture, I can at least have some peace. I'm no Michelle McNamara, but I can understand how her obsession with the Golden State Killer came to be and why she spent so much time trying to hunt him down. Sometimes a case just gets to you. I'll be back soon with another episode, this time on a case from Illinois, as I promised in my previous episode. And as soon as I get some more information about this case, I'll be back with that too. Again, I apologize for my long absence, and I thank you so much for continuing to listen. On this episode, I'm going to end with two promos, one from Crime on the Mind and the other from the Dark Remnants podcast. I'm Israel Sanchez. And I'm Sydney Chance. And together we co-host Crime on the Mind, a true crime podcast with a sense of humor. Join us every Tuesday as we take a not-so-professional look into the mind of a criminal. From heartbreaking murders and missing persons to a guy who gouges his own eyes and eats one of them. We cover it all with respect to the victims and a lot of sarcastic judgment to the bad guys. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. These are the dark fringes of our world, the pieces forgotten, the dark remnants. Dark Remnants is a podcast that features horror stories. These stories may be scary, brutal, odd, creepy, or just plain weird. If you're a fan of horror, dark sci-fi, Lovecraft, or creepypasta, then join me every other Saturday for a new tale to tell. You can find Dark Remnants wherever you get your podcast or visit darkremnants.com. Come and join us in the dark.